Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right, check, check. Check, one, hey, two. one, two, mic check. Hello. I won't be blamed for Ben's, uh, <laughs> what's the word? Clipping. Yeah. Okay, we're going, so. All right, welcome. We're actually back at home, home base today. No dogs. No dogs <laughs> at Victory of the Lamb. Construction is almost done. I was saying before, I think we broke the news on the chess controversy mm-hmm. and on cheating in general. Because mm-hmm. since we had our podcast last week, there's been all these cheating scandals that have come out of the news. So yep. this yep. podcast is getting a lot bigger than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CNN watches us. Right. <laughs> or listens, yes. Yep. <laughs> well, I have a couple things that I wanted to talk about. Uh, do you want to go first, Annie? Or? Yeah, because mine's kind of frivolous. Okay. Um, uh, it's homecoming week. Yeah. At least for some students. And... Um, I wanted to talk about the the giant homecoming proposals. Yes. And where did this come from? What types of pressures is this putting on our kids? And so you know what I'm talking about now where, you know, mm-hmm. typically it's the boy who is asking the girl to go to homecoming and they've got some elaborate sign and sometimes they got a, their sports team involved or their group of friends mm-hmm. or whatever. And it turns into this big hurrah. And I, I don't know, you know, necessarily where this came from or... You know, I, why? I don't even think my proposal to my wife was that well, big of a deal. Well, that's just it. And I, I was kind of reading it. <laughs> and I, Seriously. And that was something they said. And there was a show that was popular like in the mid-2000s called, like I think it was Laguna Beach. I didn't get into all that because that's just not my thing. But they started doing prom-posals on that show, mm-hmm. big, giant, elaborate things. Yep. And so I kind of wonder if if this this homecoming proposal thing kind of stemmed from the prom-posal um, and are we doing it for social media? Are we doing it for likes and attention? And what pressure does this put? I mean, you got to be pretty sure that the girl's going to say yes, right? Otherwise, you're... you're. Uh, well, I think that there's actually more pressure if you're in the relationship, even though you know they're going to say yes. Like when, there's, when it's a couple dating, then it's like now because now the girl is expecting more because you're already dating. Oh, that's gross. That's this been my experience. This is all just so gross. It, oh, Definitely. But I like, was wondering if it, it has a lot to do with just, is it going to be Instagram worthy or, you know, mm-hmm. that everything, everything mm-hmm. has to be recorded now. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and, and taken a picture of and has Tommy, and I've seen some pretty funny, um, you know, bits on this where, you know, people are proposing for, for marriage and like, oh no, let's do that again. I want to make sure the sun is coming yeah, over. Yeah, I want to yeah, make right. sure right. everything. Yeah. <laughs> I want to make sure this is insta worthy, and even you know everything has to be. In- my, I bought a carton of eggs, and they said insta worthy, yellow on the inside of these eggs. Like, so I don't what? know if that is something like that. Like that, it was like a dark enough color like that you could you could take a you, photo, you take a photo and you could put it up on social media. It's like <laughs> a beautiful egg. I I don't know. That's what I think it must be. I think it it, it the pressure to make everything. It, it doesn't happen unless it's on social media. I don't. What do you think it is? I don't know. I just think it's gross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and people like to feel special. And there's a little competition. Like if you know that other couple at school, like they did something with cupcakes and balloons or something, then it's like, oh well, you can't just ask. Why didn't I get cupcakes and balloons? Yeah, 
Do you not love me as much as that is person this what loves girls do? that person? Somebody tell me. <laughs> I don't don't look at me. It is nice to see boys actually putting in some work. That's kind of nice. Mm. So to look at a positive side, like that they're trying, that they're putting some effort, they're thinking about something. So that's nice. I agree, but it doesn't have to be so over the top, you know, like maybe if a you're card in high and school a teddy bear. and someone does that to you, do you just roll your eyes and walk away? Like this, I don't know. Like drama. It depends or would you on who it is. That? I don't know. I don't know. That's a long, a couple of years ago. Yeah. It's I definitely think, different. I, I think I just asked when I was in high school. I feel like I just asked. Yeah. I was nervous. Like I would mumble it. And if, <laughs> see if they responded like, <laughs> Oh, what did you say? Yes. No, nothing. It's stupid. Yeah. No, yeah, no, yeah, no yeah. I'm not going to ask you. No, let's, <laughs> <laughs> So, so I don't know. I just I guess I just wanted to rant about that. But I yeah, I just I don't know. I think that's kind of the promposal started and then it went to this and Yeah, I I I think it is a lot of pressure to make sure everything looks good on the reel and on the social media. Yeah. So there's one other did you want to bring up that other topic that you were thinking about? Which one? The custard oh. topic? I don't know if I have the strength. Okay, all right. (laughs) We've had a couple different questions from from our life groups um, that I thought that were really interesting, and then just from different individuals on, you know, as we're going through this origin series, um, I just got an email today from somebody saying, like, well, what was the original sin? And then in our staff, we had a conversation about levels of sin. And then, uh, and you brought up someone you know that was talking about, like, how could children be sinful and babies especially? So I just wanted to kind of walk through that. And um, the, the question I got uh, that someone emailed me was, you know, what was the original sin? Was it, was it the devil? Was it, uh, you know, Eve, like thinking about it, you know, desiring it? Was it a, a, a thought, a desire? Um, or was it uh, actually the picking of the, the fruit? And I, I do... You know, the, James talks about this in the New Testament that you have to be careful with your desires because once you obsess about your desires, uh, then it usually turns into an action. Um, Jesus does say that uh, you know whoever looks at a woman lustfully has already committed uh, sin in their heart. So I do think I, you know I don't know if we want to parse the exact moment when when sin happened um, in the original story. Uh, but I do think it brings up the danger of be careful what your thoughts are because you can convince yourself a lot of things that you have to have or you can't let that stand or you can't do it in your own heart. And, um, and actually what goes on in your heart is probably the most important thing. Uh, Jesus talks about that a lot. If you're a hypocrite, that's one of the worst sins that you could commit to, to do all the right things on the outside, but if you're doing it with maybe with wrong motives, man, don't we hate to hear about that? I don't know. Can you probably think of a time where somebody like gave you a gift, but the reason they gave you the gift was because they were trying to make up for something or get your attention or whatever. Or, um, you know, somebody gives you a, a compliment or calls you up, not because they really care about you or thinking about you, but because they're trying to get, you know, get you to do something for them or something like that. So, that's what I think is so incredible about the Christian message. It's not just about the outward action. It is about what's going on in your heart. So I don't know exactly when that happened, but I think the overall emphasis of the story of Genesis is that 
the tree symbolized that we want to be our own gods, that we want to decide right and wrong. And whether you desire it or you look at it, I think that's interesting that she looked at it. It looked good. She it, it, it was desirable, looked like it was going to taste good, that sin was going to taste good and feel good and maybe give a good result. Um, and that was enough to move her into action. So I don't know when it exactly started, but be careful for your, be careful about your feelings because that can lead to actions. I don't know. What do you think, I, Matt? I think there's a lot of times though when like a desire, a desire can be fed like through an emotion mm-hmm. and that pops up. And I would just, I would not be comfortable calling all the times, like I'm calling that sin. Correct. Like, oh, I'm so angry. I could slap that person, but I'm not going to, <laughs> you know? Um, right. Because you, you want to, I don't I think it's, I think you want to make sure people can distinguish, you know, like your emotions don't make you sinful. Correct. Your emotions can lead you to want to do foolish things. Right. But that's different, and you need to have the discretion to not act on those things. Martin Luther had a great line, great image, that I think can apply to a lot of different things. But he uh, he said, you can't keep the birds from flying over your head, but you can keep them from making a nest in your hair. And what he was saying is you can't help the sinful thoughts that might pop in your mind or emotions or, yeah, a, a knee-jerk reaction to something. You get angry or sad or jealous or whatever, but... If you let them nest in your hair, that you let them fester, uh, that's when it really can be dangerous. And yeah. Anything to add there, Annie? No, I'm agreeing. I'm nodding. The 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 other issue I think that is important is, um, you know, sometimes we say all sin is the same to God, and I guess I want to challenge that. I don't know if that's true. Um, even the the littlest sin is is a big deal to God. But there over and over in the Bible, it does seem that there are levels of punishment, levels and punishment eternally, um, that Jesus talks about those who know what they're doing and do it, they will, and this is a parable, so he's using uh, uh, figurative language. He says, those who know what they're doing and still go and do it, they will be beaten with many blows versus somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, do, doing in ignorance or not willfully. Um, and sometimes we say that, and I, I know why we say all sin is the same, uh, but I, I think that can uh, be dangerous for, for lots of reasons. For, for one, um, that, that somebody, yeah, starts to do a sin, like, oh, it's, it's all the same anyways, and they just keep giving into it instead of stopping and... and uh, seeing the danger, the consequences that it could happen in their lives. Um, and then, you know, you mentioned we were kind of texting back and forth on this, and, you know, you talked about, well, what about, you know, some maybe hurting a child? And Jesus does say that. Like, if you hurt a child, he says, it'd be better for you to have a millstone tied around your neck and drowned in the heart of the sea than to hurt a child. Um, and so there does to seem to be different levels of sin. Uh, there's The Bible talks about willful sin, like premeditated sin is different than sins of weakness. You know, man, I just am in this habit of falling into this sin or responding in this way, um, and I'm fighting against that, and I repent of it, and I change, which is different than someone saying, premeditating, I'm so mad at them, this is how I'm going to get back at them. Uh, willful sin, that, that can destroy your faith. Uh, to know that something's wrong 
and to know that Jesus loves you and wants a better life for you, and yet to still go through with it, um, you do that over and over again, that erodes your faith. So I don't know if that's controversial or if, 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 if you've heard those different things before. Um, also, it, yeah, it, it keeps us from, from going into darker and darker places where we say, this is worse for you to, 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 to not just think about this, but to act on this and then to hurt somebody. That is, that is worse for you, worse for society, worse in God's eyes. Now, even beginning to sin that way, Jesus, like I mentioned, already mentioned, Jesus said, uh, if you look at a woman lustfully, you've already committed adultery in your heart. Not that it's equal to adultery, but that's even that beginning to that to do that sin is wicked in God's eyes is what he's saying, I think. It's hard to explain that to people who are not Christian or who don't yeah. have those values because society has its own system mm-hmm. of, play, you know, and when we look at that, when we think about like, what are some crimes that you're jailed for? What are some yeah. sins that you're jailed for? Right. Where like you are a menace to society and you need to be right put away right? Um, versus, you know, well, I told my wife a white lie, right. you know, and so, or, or yeah, you know, like looking at some, you, it, it was very difficult to say to somebody who, who doesn't have this value system. Um, oh, you looked at a woman that way. Therefore, mm-hmm. you know, oh no, but I didn't act on it. Right. I didn't, you know, and so I think it's really hard to, to explain that when society has its own set of yeah. its own assigned values to these sins. And then people do that and they use that to play the comparison game of, well, I didn't do X. Right. I might have done Y, but it wasn't nearly as bad as X. Right. You know, and so I think that's something that I struggle with when I'm talking to some friends and things that I, you can't, they, it's not rationalized. They're, they don't understand that. That's really, that's really important. Yeah. And that's been going on forever. I think guilt is such a hard emotion. And, and when you feel guilt, it's so crushing. We have to find a way to deal with it. And so if you don't have Jesus, you either have to minimize it, you have to compare it with somebody else, you have to explain it away, you have to explain why your circumstances or your upbringing or whatever led you. In, you like, But to actually take guilt on um, and, and to actually absorb it, like it's just too painful that we find other ways to, to, to deal with it. And that's the beauty of Christianity is that you don't have to minimize it. You can call it as bad as it really is. And that's the blood. That's the sin that Jesus paid for with His own blood. You know, there. I, I do think it, it is different from somebody looking at a woman and then continue to go through with it and actually destroying somebody's marriage or, or family and committing adultery. But what Jesus is saying is there that that even when you start to treat a woman as property and start to just look at her as a you know a, a piece of meat and not as a person. Like, you're already destroying her humanity. And to be a Christian, he says, um, he says, unless your righteousness does not surpass that of the Pharisees, you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. And what he means by that is, he doesn't want you just to have a superficial righteousness that you like, oh, as, as long as I'm not actually going through with it, I'm not hurting anybody. As long as it doesn't hurt anybody, it doesn't matter. And he wants his followers to be salt and light in that world and in the world. And so he wants us to, yeah, we are going to have a higher standard for ourselves than the rest of the world because we want to be different. We want to treat humans not as objects. Um, so yeah, I, I think it, it is going to be different. It is going to be different than how the world looks at sin. But man, w- when you start playing that tape back, like, oh, 
somebody saying, oh, I'm just looking at pornography. I'm actually not. Well, that's somebody's, that's somebody's daughter. That's somebody's, that, that, that's a real human being. And then all, when you start to hear stories that what's going on behind the scenes there, all of the trafficking issues, all of the, the scandal, all of the horrible, wicked, evil stuff that goes on so that you can watch that video for free. Stay away from that well, as far as you can. Not only that, but like you're totally rewiring your brain. Yeah, mm-hmm. like you're just totally just desensitizing your your <laughs> your brain, your mindset, your the yeah, the value you place on women or people or. Didn't didn't Billie Eilish just come out saying that like she watched so much pornography? Oh, I didn't hear this. Yeah, she, she watched did. so much pornography as a young child, like it has totally messed her up as a sexually. young child. Yeah. Yeah. That was uh, several months ago. Really, yeah, she I was didn't interviewed, hear this. And it, you know, she just admitted that it ruined her, or her, her yeah, the wiring of her brain. And so that, that goes back to that opening story in Genesis about eating from that tree. We can't redefine good and evil if we we try to explain away, make up our own values. Like you can't run away from sin. Sin is, we're 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 designed a certain way by God. And if you try to make up your own set of rules. Uh, and fight against our nature and fight against how God designed us, it's still it's going to hurt you. It's going to hurt you. There, there will be consequences. Um, so yeah, I, I'm glad she admitted. I don't. I didn't. I've only heard it secondhand. I didn't hear the interview. Um, did you re- hear the interview? Um, I've heard. I think I've heard a. L- I don't remember. I've. I mean, I've. I've heard like so many different um, third party people talk about it, and then I. I think I have heard a little bit of her talking about it, but yeah, I mean, I think like she was first exposed to it when she was like 11 or 12 mm-hmm. and by whom? Well, I don't know. I mean, maybe you know, a peer, f- hopefully not a parent, probably a friend or something, but yeah. And yeah. I, I, it was CNN. She was, I think it was interviewed by CNN and uh, from age 11, it really mm-hmm. destroyed my brain. She says, and from yeah, age 11. by the time she had a relationship, like she had a relationship um, and she didn't even know how to interact when it came to, you know, any sort of that sexual activity, you know, just all the things that she was uncomfortable with that she felt were supposed to be normal and felt like, you know, it's my job to do this because I've seen it done that way so many times mm. right. on the screen. Really sad, really yeah. sad. Props mm-hmm. to her for speaking out against it though. Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's why Jesus doesn't level um, sin that's all equal. He shows how dangerous even the beginnings Mm -hmm. of sin really Mm -hmm. are. The stuff that we would try to explain away, that's what I think he's doing. So I, I don't think he levels it, meaning it's all equal. He's saying even a hint of it leads you into places you don't want to be. And, and, uh, to to go back to the the punish the punishment you know or um, having a millstone tied around your neck or or something like that it's like it's that's also another tough thing to explain because if you don't believe that there's a hell right then like sin has no punishment of course it does mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of course it has consequences mm-hmm. here but um yeah i i th- i think i think what's going to be more pain i think what's more painful is destroying your faith Mm -hmm. um because i've been in that situation where um i don't 
if it's like a habitual sin or if you can kind of you can kind of like see like you know I'm hanging out with these people or I'm engaging in this or that activity mm-hmm. at at this time of night and you're like I can see where this is going but after you sort of cross the first line you're like well I've already committed a sin right. so all sin is equal so right. you know we'll just throw it out the window and and do do whatever mm-hmm. um and I've been in that situation before and that is a way to justify it yeah you know like all sin is equal. Like I'm already not perfect, so yeah. whatever. We're gonna yeah. go ahead and do that thing. Yeah, whatever it is. Or I think some people just think don't think it's bad. Like right. I think of people mm-hmm. who, and I don't know why. Like I don't, I don't know how this would be. Like for instance, if somebody says, "Oh, I I I told my husband a white lie about how much yeah. I spent at Target right. <laughs> right. or whatever." Right. <laughs> you know, story right. of my life. Yeah. <laughs> Say it, girl. Um, but so. You know, and but but then they don't they don't think anything's wrong with that necessarily, and I don't know why. I don't know if they've actually gone so far as to think through like, well, he owes me this because he, you know, I I don't know if if they've actually gone through and rationalized it or if they literally just don't think it to be a bad that bad. Right. When you look at the scope of like what's going on in the world, like, well, this is really not that bad. Like, I'm not even gonna feel bad about this or guilty or whatever right so not even saying oh it's bad but i'm doing it because of this or it's okay because of that no it's just not bad yeah but then ask your spouse what they think about you know it's it's that crack in the foundation Mm -hmm. of those little things those little cracks just turn into huge problems like like, well like you didn't believe me about that and or you weren't honest about that now what else you hope right keeping from me and yeah, I think I think we can kind of justify. Like I said, if you don't have, I hate to call the gospel mechanism, but like if you don't have a resource of somewhere to go to take all this sin between, yeah, in a in a marriage or in any kind of relationship, there's just so much, so many ways that we s- screw each other over and hurt each other. That if you don't have a place to take all that guilt, mm-hmm. you, it's just that never. There was a movie on. Uh, I don't. Is it the '73 Olympics where they started? There was a, a sh- uh, between. It was like Pakistani or Arab Israeli. Um, sn- there was a, a shooting, and the whole rest of the movie is them. All right, you did this to me. I'm gonna hire another hitman against you. Then I'm gonna hire. Tip then you tip. kill it, and and you just keep on doing that. There's no end to the vengeance. And when God takes sin on himself, I mean, even the story of Cain and Abel, or God puts a mark on Cain, whatever that was, to say this this ends here. If you don't have a, a way to deal with guilt and shame, you will keep putting on somebody else. You'll keep going uh, in for mm-hmm. vengeance. So I, yeah. Or you'll hide it, or you'll, there's, there's some way you're going to have to try to deal with it. Not so. only a way to go, or a place to go with guilt and shame, but a place to go to define. Right. Right and wrong, like yeah. it does all of that. It defines it defines right and wrong, and right. also it's a place you can go to mm-hmm. be refreshed. But yeah, and and we all have a a conscience, but man, we have a way of searing that and numbing it and explaining away. And that's a scary thing. Once you when do you lose your conscience, man? That's that's really bad. Real bad. Real bad. There's a there's a good Dave Ramsey quote that's that's somewhat related about because 
early on he's doing financial counseling and these couples would come to him and be like, you're ruining our marriage. Like, you know, we were just fine. And then you came in and now like my wife is really concerned about what she's spending and I'm really trying to budget or whatever. And, and it's really tearing us apart. And, and it, and his quote goes something like this, like, He's like, I didn't ruin your marriage. Your marriage was a faulty bridge. I just drove a truck over. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like something you would laugh at. Yeah, (laughs) that's true, right? But it's like, you didn't create the problems, but... You expose it. And that's, that's like with those white lies, those little cracks, you know, as long as everything's good or as long as everything's pretty good, you know, yeah, you can get away with those things. But then all of a sudden something big goes wrong now you have trust issues oh what else did you lie about Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. oh you lied about this and this and this now i can't trust you you know so that would be a natural consequence to that little harmless white lie you know i guess i just also feel like why are you with somebody that you feel like you have to lie to yeah you know i mean like yeah i don't i don't like that that's (laughs) scary that's really scary and there's uh, a variety of reasons for that. Don't get me wrong, but yeah. Um, when I was my internship year, uh, the, the pastor who was, uh, my, they called him Bishop, who's my boss, basically, he said, we're never going, whenever you, we hurt each other or do something wrong, we're never going to say, it's okay. But we're always going to say, I forgive you. And it, that sounded really great when we were doing orientation, but then it actually happened. Like, I was two minutes late for a meeting and we're supposed to meet somewhere and he's going to drive me somewhere else. And it's like, oh man, Nate, sorry, I, I, I showed up a little late. And he's like, I forgive you. And at first I was like, well, why does he have to forgive me? It's not that big of a deal. I'm only two <laughs> minutes late and I didn't want to hear that I actually needed to be forgiven. So at first I didn't like that because it exposed sin. And, and, and I had a number of occurrences where I, I did something wrong or didn't say things correctly. And he said that, and I didn't like the idea that I had actually done something wrong. But then afterwards, after as the year went on, I just loved that because I knew he was never going to bring it up again. We had already dealt with it. Uh, I was honest. He was honest. He really did believe in that Jesus forgave me and that he forgave me, and we could move on. And uh, we don't always do it as a family, but that's something we have done as a family. And again, it's hard, uh, but, but it, it's powerful to actually say, I forgive you instead of it's no big deal, because it is a big deal. Yeah, and that's a huge part of, like, dealing with conflict or leading people in any way. I mean, because, like, I'm a pretty easygoing person, you know, like, when I, (laughs) for the most part, like, when we're, we're, like, running something on Sunday, someone, like, messes something up, I I will always just say, oh, don't worry about it. Oh, no biggie, don't worry about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, Yep, but also I need you to fix that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and yeah. so I've um I'm not very good at it, but sometimes you need to say okay, you know, and 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 whether or not it was like a sin that needs forgiveness right. or, or just something like it was a mistake that needs to be handled. Right. And you can't and and obviously they're 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 bummed about it and obviously they didn't try to do it. Yeah. You know, but fix it moving forward. <laughs> Yeah, what yeah. did we learn from this? Yeah, like that's a hard thing to do, you know, because that's my, my personality is just better. Oh, that's fine, you know. I don't mm-hmm. worry about it. Mm-hmm. We'll get it next time, you know. Do you think people have a? Uh, I think people have a problem admitting to being wrong, and they have mm-hmm. a hard time apologizing for things. Mm-hmm. And I don't understand why. That I—that's what I was kind of mean. I just think guilt is such a powerful feeling. 
that to actually say there is something wrong about me that I've done, you know, if you don't really have, you don't have somewhere to go with that, it's, it's just, it's like trying to hold on to a, a grenade that's exploding. It's just, it's, it's too much. Um, I think, especially, you know, when our identity is so wrapped up in what we do and who we think we are and to actually say, you know, like, no, I really screwed that up and it was intentional. It was a mess and that was dumb and that was selfish. It's just hard to admit, I think, especially if you don't feel like there's any hope for real forgiveness. Yeah. I've got friends who struggle with guilt. Yeah. And I wonder if maybe that's, I think we all do at some level, but I mean, that's why we will not, I don't think we'll ever take out of our church service the opening section. You know, sometimes it feels rote. We say it all the time, but to, to say every week, you are forgiven. And we begin our service because we need to hear it every week uh, that it really is true. Yeah, I wonder how much, how much of the stuff that we do on a day-to-day basis is trying to get rid of guilt. Like buying something for somebody doing better at work or uh, how we're so many of the number of things that, that a person does in a day, how much of it is motivated by guilt or trying to get rid of guilt or trying to improve an image uh, that you, that, of yourself that, that you have that, that you just can't bear how guilty you feel. I think it happens a lot. I think, I think religious people of any kind have a leg up there because if you have some kind of belief system that says you're flawed, but there is salvation. Um, that just changes the whole perspective. Like you're not surprised anymore when you feel guilty. Like, yeah, that's that's because we're fallen creatures. Mm-hmm. And now I don't have to like pinpoint everything I do and try to weigh myself against everybody else. Yeah, you know. And and I for people who don't have that basis, obviously I can't even picture what that looks like on a day to day basis, but. I guess that's what we've been describing. But I don't know if it's any religious system. I mean, I think all religious systems, yeah, do have this idea of I need help. Mm-hmm. But I don't know of any others that really have a, at the heart of it, a God dying for their forgiveness. Yeah, that, well, not like a good, not a good one. But I yeah. mean, at least <laughs> at least these people have some kind of hope. Yeah, know, there's, a, there's an idea of I need help. Yeah. But but it, it's it, that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. And then most of it's, all right, here are the list of things in, that you have to yeah, complete to get right. God to love you. That, I think, moves into the last thing I want to talk about, you know, this whole idea of, um, you know, looking at children and, and, and a baby coming, you know, a newborn baby, and looking at this, I remember when all my children were born, just crying how beautiful they were and how amazing this is, a new life, um, and how much you immediately love them. Um, and then you read in the Bible, like it says, David says in Psalm 51, I was sinful from birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. So how can those two things, and, and then later on in Psalm 139, he says, you know, um, I was knit together in my mother's, God, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I'm, I praise you, Lord God, because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So in the Psalms, it says those two things. I'm fearfully and wonderfully made, and yet I'm sinful from birth. How does that, how do those work together? And then on top of that, you have Jesus who, who picked up children. In some of the, the accounts, it's, it's breathless. It's these, these, these babies, uh, infants. He's picking them up and he's blessing them. And he's saying, if anyone wants to be greatest in my kingdom, he's got to be like one of these little children. Um, so what, is, what does that all mean? 
I think there's a difference between value and our nature. The idea of human beings are naturally have this capacity to err. And if we would leave a child all by themselves and never do any kind of correction, and we just let them, you say yes to everything, what would happen to that child? And so when we call a child uh, sinful from birth, it's, it's not that they have a, a scarlet letter painted on them from birth or anything like that, that they're already screwed everything up. But th- to, to understand that human nature that you're talking about, that we have these flaws that left by ourselves without grace, without forgiveness, and without direction, we will turn selfish, self-centered, egotistical, though that's the direction we're headed without any rescue. And that's, at first, that's really bad news. I, we were talking, we had that uh, counselor come in last week, uh, Karen Fisher, and she talked about how most secular psychology is based on humanism. And humanism has this idea, we're all born great, and all of our problems are, are because of our nurture and our circumstances and our upbringing, never actually me. And that sounds good at first, except that makes you really judgmental. Uh, it never actually gets you to say, I was the one who screwed this up. Yeah. Yep. And so it sounds harmful to say that we have sin and we're inclined to sin and sinful from birth, but it, it's actually a huge relief that we're not surprised when the, when the child Errors like, oh, I screwed everything up. I had this perfect little baby and I messed it all up. Well, no, this this child is going to err unless you guide them back. So I think another thing that um, people don't always think about, like the reason that like babies, one year olds, two year olds, like little kids are so cute is is because they're harmless, <laughs> not because they're perfect. Um, and they're they're cute. And, they look cute. And they're they, naive, right? They're, like they're, yeah. they're you cute, know, innocent, and yeah. But the the reason we think, oh, well, they're innocent. so perfect, they couldn't hurt anybody, is not because they couldn't. Or I mean, or it is because they couldn't, but it's not because they don't want to. Right. Right. They have the and strength. They're though. innocent in the sense of of <laughs> they're just helpless. They're inexperienced. Right. 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 They're right. just helpless. But I mean, like, you know, they've they've done studies, and like when babies cry, like if they want their mother, and it's and someone comes in, it's not their mother. They're not sad. They're angry. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Like little three-year-old baby that's crying, you're like, "Oh my gosh, poor baby is upset." No, it's angry. Mm-hmm. And if it were a Feed big me. baby, it would probably <laughs> fight you. You know, yeah. and you know anyone who's like been around like a two-year-old or like a three, four-year-old throwing a tantrum. Yeah, I mean, if that were a grown person, that would yeah. be the scariest person on earth. Right. But it's you know that person is helpless. Yeah. And so, you know, to say that they're perfect, they. You know, they come out, they come out screaming, you know. <laughs> and I think it's a difference between, again, the value that we put on, like, mm-hmm. no matter how rebellious my children are or how rebellious I am, my parents and me as a parent will always love my child. And so valuable, worthy of love, children are those things, Um but if we don't, last week we looked at, at, at Cain and Abel, where God says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, must rule over. If we don't believe that these children have capacity now or, or someday to harm, we're setting ourselves up for failure. You know, all these horrible people at one time were a child, mm-hmm. and, and they all had the potential in them to, to really harm. Um, 
And so they all need to be guided and, and need forgiveness and need, need care. Uh, but the fact that they have a propensity to, to lie or to hurt or whatever, doesn't mean we don't love them with everything we got. That's, that's what mercy is. Mercy uh, is a beautiful word that doesn't mean loving something because it's lovable. Mercy is almost like, I love you because if I don't love you, you have a great potential to mess all this up. And, and you know, uh, it's almost a, a pity kind of thing. Um, but, but we have, so we have mercy on, 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 on kids and love them. And, and yeah. So, and, and from a theological standpoint, the answer to the question is um, how can a baby be sinful at birth is, well, that's the moment it has, or, you know, from conception, it has a soul at that point and, you know, soul's eternal, but a soul, has is his its fate is determined by you know the 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 scales of judgment so to speak so um it's it's yeah it is hard it is hard because you're like it hasn't committed a sin and yet um i don't know has it committed a has a baby committed a sin no i don't think so no it hasn't committed a sin but i i think maybe we could think almost think like genetic, like I am going to pass on the genes to my kids, some good stuff and some bad stuff. And some of it, they are just going to be inclined to get into some trouble that is uniquely something that I gave them. Well, this whole idea that Adam and Eve were created perfect and then they were flawed, all they have is genetic flawed material that they're, they're going to pass that garbage on. Some of it's uh, to the next generation doesn't mean they're not lovable and worthy of love. It just means that there's no part of this world that hasn't been tainted by sin. And once we start ignoring that, that's when it gets really, really dangerous. When we, well, we were talking about this whole previous seg- segment, when we start minimizing sin, ignoring it, uh, redefining it instead of just calling it what it is, that's when it's actually dangerous. Um, not calling it out is just exposing what's. That, that we have this crack and this flaw all all over all over creation. The good part, good news, is Jesus decided instead of um, dividing up who are the good kids and the bad kids and saying let's keep all the good ones or the ones who are are really better than the others and we're just going to get rid of all the bad ones. God has kept all the people in this world. Um, and Jesus came in as a human being to live for them, die for them, be raised to, to life for them so that he can have mercy on all of them. So he doesn't have to pick favorites. Um, all of us have this inclination, and some of us have really given into that inclination of sin, and yet God has decided to have mercy on us all. Uh, so I think that's a really important point. I want to bring up, too, kind of backtracking a little bit, um, you know, I had recently had a conversation with a friend and I, and I hope I said the right thing. You know, a lot of times we, it's, it's a semantics game in the sense that, um, we recognize sin as being mm-hmm. evil, mm-hmm. right? But then when, when, when people are told your, your newborn baby is, is evil from birth, right? Like this is really hard to grasp. It's very mm-hmm. gross and uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of tried to tell her like, think of it as as imperfect right mm-hmm. like it's and and i think we can all objectively agree that nobody's perfect like i think mm-hmm. anybody could right. anybody of sound mind could say right. nobody's perfect right? right and so i think even though we do recognize sin mm-hmm. as evil mm-hmm. and we recognize people as being imperfect because mm-hmm. they're sinful therefore right. they're evil right. if we you change the right. 
right. the wording a little bit, especially for somebody who is, is new to Christianity yeah. or exploring, you don't want to hit them with the, the yeah. evil bomb right away. Well, yeah, and there's a difference between somebody acting on evil, right, and, and like, like you said, well, nobody's perfect, or we'll say, I'm only human. What does right. that mean? Right. I'm only human doesn't mean I'm really awesome and perfect. It means right. I'm flawed. I'm flawed. And, right. pe- and people say that all the time, and nobody would dare admit that they were perfect because they right. would sound like they were, they've right. lost it. Interesting. Um, so that's kind of the approach that I took with her. Instead of good. saying sinful or right. evil, I just said imperfect, and yep. we can all agree that nobody's perfect, and so therefore. And then also um, kind of I told her too with the um, – I said, if you if you leave a child alone, a, yeah. you know, a baby alone, obviously you feed them and you yeah. know, make sure they live. But if you don't give them any direction, like they're they're not they don't share just because they, right. you know, like you have to teach a kid to share. Right. That's not in their nature to do that. Right. So like you have to guide them and left to their own vices, they, would, yeah. you know, and so. not in every case, right? And in all the time, like sometimes kids play pretty okay together. Then after a while, they're going to take a toy and slam the other kid over the head, right? So I think also when you say sinful or imperfect or any of those things, it doesn't mean the only thing they're always going to do all the time is the worst right, possible right, thing, that right. everybody is a murder waiting to happen. Right, that's right, not right, that's right. not what the Bible says. Right. But, man, it's not hard to be selfish for any of us, and and especially for children. I remember... We knew we were in in for it when, and we talked about this. It was funny. Our son was like two, and we told him not to touch any of the buttons on the TV and the VCR and all that stuff. And he turned. And he, he looked, looked right at you. And he pointed eye contact. And he like knew exactly what it was. And he started pointing like, "What are you going to do?" And we were just 100%. like, "All right, here we go. That is, that's just the picture." And we laugh about it now, mm-hmm. but I think that's. That, that part of us, and it it's not who we are at all times the only thing, it, but it does mean that we do need somebody big to come in and rescue us, and that's the beautiful message of, like, I, I would ask too, like, okay, if you struggle with that, but don't you want forgiveness? Like, wouldn't it be great if you're, you, were, you knew that you have nothing to hide, that you're, you're forgiven? I think that's what was behind that whole idea of Adam and Eve were naked and they were unashamed that they were totally exposed and yet they had nothing to hide. And that's what we want is to be fully known and fully loved at the same time, which we don't really experience that. We, we don't want everyone to know everything about us because if we were afraid if everyone knew everything about us, they wouldn't want to be around us. But in Jesus Christ, we are fully known and fully loved. That's good. So, y'all good? Any, any, uh, any final thoughts? Nope, I'm uh, good. All right. Thanks, guys. That was good. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello. Hello.